everybody welcome back to pagan's witchy corner my name is pagan and today i'm joined by a very awesome guest and that is ben stimson i hope i pronounced your last name correctly and did, yes. yay <laughs> um ben is the author of ancestral whispers a guide to be building ancestral veneration practices the book is currently not out yet but it is available for pre-order the book does come out on september 8th 2023 so ben welcome to the show Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to coming on. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. The book was awesome. It was so, had so much information packed into such, like, <laughs> I when I read it, I was like, there's only like 272 pages and there's so much information and I'm only like in chapter five. What? <laughs> I was shocked when I got the physical copy. I was like, look at this little puny little thing. But no, it, uh, it definitely packs a punch. And, um, and I, yeah, it's a very it's a it's it's a weird sort of timey wimey bigger on the inside than it is on the outside kind of thing. I love the Doctor Who reference. Yes, absolutely, we are Whovians <laughs> around these parts. So, so I absolutely loved how much history you brought into the book. There was so much history that I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew of some of the uh, historical practices with ancestor veneration and all of that, but mm -hmm. there was so much that you brought into it where did you begin the research because like it was so vast and so big <laughs> no of course well I, I in truth um this book really is a culmination of one of my major interests i i've been studying religion and spirituality since i was uh, a teenager and and I actually did um, uh, a lot of university credits in uh, different religious traditions. I, I am currently completing my BA that I started over a decade ago um, uh, with a focus in religious studies and medieval studies. So mm -hmm. I have a, a, a large background in that. Um, but particularly, I found when I knew what to look for, that was made that made it easier for me to then look and and start to bring in um, a, a lot of the examples. And it was important for me to give a lot of examples in this because the target audience of this book comes from a cultural space of not knowing what to do, um, and so giving really concrete examples to break down and exemplify the points I was making was very important. Um, but I also know a lot of people. I, I, I'm really connected with um, people from a lot of diverse backgrounds. Um, and so I had a lot of um, uh, intimate and personal um, uh, relationships I could rely on to ask um, and to connect with. And so when I was writing this book, it took me eight months. Um, and then with the editing process, two and a half years um, to uh, to get this finalized form. So I had a lot of opportunity to kind of keep things in mind. Um, mm -hmm. And so really that that was my process in researching it is uh, is relying on my my social network, relying on my past uh, education um, and also watching a lot of documentaries, which was a fun part. I bet that was really fun. It, and it really does pack a punch and it does kind of span I would say almost a full global interest of everything because uh, there actually there wasn't a whole lot that you missed i would say in terms of the global community in some way thank you i really um, appreciate it, that thank you you're very welcome it bridged such a large gap which was really nice and kind of seeing all those different tidbits throughout the book made it very easy to kind of look at it from different perspectives which was really awesome so in terms of your ancestral uh, 
practices. Where would you say that yours, I guess you could say, where did they begin for you? Of course. So I, I heavily started working with ancestors in a spiritual context um, only about five or six, seven years ago. I um, started to work with a, a Lukumi Ile. So Lukumi is an Afro-Cuban tradition. It's commonly called Santeria, but that's, uh, that's not the term that inside is used for it. Um, and I, I met a priest of that tradition who, ironically, I had met 20 years before when I was a kid at a sci-fi convention. He was working at a, a sci-fi convention. And I remember vividly meeting him, but I didn't know who he was or whatever. So when I caught up with him again, um, he, was, uh, he, he was initiated into that tradition. And ancestor work in, in, in many African traditions is foundational. It is one of the cornerstones and foundations that most of the other traditions within those religions are, are built off of. And so I heavily started working with my ancestors. Ancestry has always been, and ancestors have always been a big part of my life because as an immigrant, um, all of my ancestors are in another country. Their, their mm -hmm. physical remains are in another country. Their stories are in another country. I'm originally from the, the UK. And so living and growing up in Canada, there was no context of our family in this place. Our context was in another place. And so uh, ancestor work was very heavily picked up with and connected to um, relationship with that, with, with home. So I would say that uh, working with the ancestors in story form has been a big part of my life for a very long time, but as a spiritual um, tradition, it's only been the past few years. And that's really where the book and the Genesis comes from is, um, is I saw a, a gap and a need in the pagan community um, because there wasn't a lot written about ancestors. There were maybe, I would say probably in the past 20 years, the books on ancestor work, particularly for white people, particularly for the pagan community, particularly for Westerners, um, can fit on one small bookcase. Majority <laughs> yes. of the ancestor, it's true, right? Majority of the, the books that are on ancestor work are related to BIPOC and non-Western traditions, right? And that's important. There's a reason for that, because those cultures and those traditions have it as a natural and, and very vivid part of the tradition. Westerners have been removed from a lot of our ancestral traditions, and particularly Western pagans have been disconnected from those traditions because most of those traditions come from a Christian uh, cultural worldview, right? So there's, there can be a, a, a strange relationship between Western pagans and their Christian ancestors. Um, but most of the reconstructed pagan traditions that are out there don't have those ancestral pieces because we, we don't have those ancient pagan ancestral traditions um, because most of those cultures were oral traditions that were broken. And so there's, there's a big disconnect, there's big unsurety about what to do. And so I wrote this book with that understanding of bringing in relationship and building relationship with ancestors using the, the cultural context we find ourselves now, 
but also looking at worldview, building a tradition and building and uh, practices based on worldview. And that's a, a huge part of the book. The first, uh, the first part is all about worldview. Mm -hmm. How do you conceptualize life? How do you conceptualize death? How do you conceptualize the ancestors? How can you expand that definition of ancestors? Um, and then the second half of the book is on um, ritual and on all the various forms of a lived spiritual practice. And then how how ancestor work can come into that so that was... yeah wow that is a, that is a lot <laughs> it is a lot but it was that a beautiful and uh encapsule of what your book really does entail and i also really particularly enjoyed the aspects in your book especially in the beginning um where you mm -hmm. talk about all of the different outlooks of death in terms yes. of world cultures and that mm -hmm. was something that you know as growing up in America, of course, we're very yes. disconnected from death. We're obsessed with it, mm -hmm. but we're very disconnected totally. from it. <laughs> so, well, that's where that obsession comes from. Right. That's where that obsession comes from. Right. It's the same like in Japanese culture. They are obsessed with sex because sexuality is such a repressed part of their culture. Mm -hmm. right? Whenever you whenever you find a culture that is repressive of a certain thing, you will find the counterculture is huge around that thing. It's funny. It's interesting. It is very interesting to kind of see how that works. And mm -hmm. I think that your book is going to make such a huge impact, especially in the pagan community, Thank because you. it does bridge kind of, like you were saying, all those world gaps and everything mm -hmm. else. But it also allows people to kind of decide where they want to take their own practice now that they're like oh i have been shown all these different avenues that could be taken mm -hmm. and obviously you know whatever avenue you choose whoever's listening to this make sure that you you know you're doing it with respect obviously but mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and you do bridge those kind of things as well about you know cultural appropriation and how all that works so yes. i think that it's going to be a beautiful kind of introduction into where to really begin with working with your ancestors <laughs> because we're kind of Absolutely. like you should work with your ancestors cool how do i do that um can you do tell me <laughs> Well, but this is part of the issue. A lot of Western pagans come from a cultural background, which is Christian, which is orthodox, right? There's mm -hmm. orthoprax, there's, uh, there, there are right beliefs and right ways of doing something, or there's heresy, right? And so I think that mindset often is brought into our, uh, our traditions. Um, and 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 we ask ourselves that same question well you know what do i do all of the books that are on like witchcraft 101 they all give you something to do which is fine for when you're starting out but eventually you have to get to a place where you have to own your own tradition and own your own practices and that practices in those traditions have to come naturally and organically from how you're viewing the world which is, I think, again, that, that that really important piece that often gets missing. We focus so much on the doing in Western paganism. We don't necessarily think about the, all of the beliefs behind it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's reasons for that, but I think it's also a, um, you know, the one has to be in relationship to the other and vice versa. So I, I'm, I really hope that that, that it comes across in the book. It does that, very um, well. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> really good. good. It does come across very well. And you, you do paint that picture very beautifully. And 
I want to talk a little bit about, because I would like to hear obviously audibly about kind of your um, thoughts on it. One of the, the sections in the book that really stuck out for me was the the practice of bringing in kind of almost what you would call other kin or, you know, other types of spirits that aren't, you know, descendant ancestors. Um, and yes. even people of a fictional background that have influenced your life. Yes. Kind of where mm -hmm. did that kind of come about? And um, what are your thoughts on helping people kind of figure out more about that, obviously, without, you know, totally. going so deep into the book? Is... If you want to know more, read the book. <laughs> but <laughs> so, so it is one of my favorite aspects of the book. And it is something that a lot of the other podcasters who have been talking to have been really interested in. I wish that I could claim that it was a that it was my own idea, but it, it was inspired by several others. It was inspired by the other cultures that I was re I was reading about. It was inspired by the work of a um, of a anthropologist. Down. Well, she's a physicist. She's kind of an all other thing. Um, but there's a uh, uh, Dr. Lynn Kelly down in Australia. And she put out um, a couple of books on the, uh, the the power of story and particularly in, uh, the use of memory technologies um, in um, in in various oral cultures around the world in order to maintain vast amounts of information within an oral context. So these are these are cultures that don't write anything down. They don't have. A, a written language and and what's been proven is that in in a lot of these cultures huge amounts of information is encoded into things like the landscape is encoded through ritual and spiritual practices um uh, as 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 memory triggers for maintaining these these memory systems and so i was really really interested in that and um and one of the one of the cultures that she spoke about was the kachinas in uh, among the hopi and the zuni mm -hmm. peoples of 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 the midwest of the of the west mm -hmm. i don't know the u.s that well so it's very oh in the i, I know it very well um yes. <laughs> the kachina um the hopi region and like the kachinas where you you would find a lot of those is going to be the um west and southwest of the united states um particularly like new mexico arizona the four corners kind of areas mm -hmm. um my uh where i grew up was in taos and so okay. we were very um good friends with lots of people of the tribe there and oh, wonderful the um i got to learn the stories of the kachinas firsthand from them which was really cool and we had several of them in our oh, house beautiful. that were gifted to us so yeah we oh, got to learn all about it. the kachinas and it was really interesting when <laughs> i was growing up i was like they're terrifying looking like they the little kachina dolls are actually very terrifying looking but they have this you know presence in the spiritualism about them that you have to learn about to make them less terrifying so completely yeah it, it's a completely. very interesting thing and i was like i know about those when i was reading the book well, and, and and I mean, I've been aware of them because my my interests are vast, right? But you can only go so deep when your interests are vast. Um, so I was aware of them, but I, I I didn't really look too deeply into them. But the way that she framed her in her book was that they are not seen as gods in the Western European sense, but they're also not just fictional characters either. They are mythological ancestors. They are folk ancestors that each symbolize a particular um, uh, 
they, they symbolize particular parts of the culture, mm-hmm. but they're more than just symbolic representations. They are spirits in their own right. They are embodiments. They are all of these different things. But then, but and and so the, the Kachina dolls. Each one of them is um, not not. It's not just a doll. It is a piece. At least this is how Dr. Kelly was framing it. They are a, a they are a document to be read. The symbols, all of the aspects of these individual dolls, inform you about the Kachina and how and, and the the embodiment of that Kachina, uh, which is a part of the culture, the lesson, um, uh, all of these things. Um, and so children learn with these dolls first in preparation for then encountering the Chikachinas in dances when they come into, and, and, and especially coming from a, uh, an ATR background myself, you know, spirit possession is not something that I'm averse to and it's something that I've been experienced. Um, that idea of the spirit possessing individual dancers to then embody those kachinas within those dances, it becomes a sacred document that the whole tribe and the whole community is able to read and engage with. And so I, I started to think about that idea for myself. Well, these are a lot of the kachinas are ancestral. Um, they're considered ancestral to the, to the community. Um, and that relationship is ancestral. I started to think about, okay, well, what are some of the characters in my life that I have had a relationship with that have meant something to me? And that can be my biological ancestors. That can be my affinity ancestors, those people and individuals who have contributed to my places of study or whatnot. But then when I looked at the relationship there, I thought, okay, well, what is the difference between me relating to a dead great-great-grandfather and his story and me relating to an affinity ancestor from, say, the queer community who contributed to the rights that I, I now enjoy and fought for the rights that I now enjoy? What is the difference between me relating to them through those stories of those, of those individuals and me relating to the stories of a fictional character? They've both, all of them have impacted who I am. All of them inform how I walk in the world. And so ancestor then, ancestor work then shifts from honoring a particular form of ancestor because of a particular biological relationship to then expanding that to look at relationships broadly. And so in that way, then ancestor work as a category merges with ancestor work. Uh, it merges with spirit work, merges with... Um, identity work merges with deity work because oftentimes I think a lot of um, a lot of the deities that we work with are we we connect with their stories in some way. So so I started to then expand that out and I thought okay there's a lot going on here. It all comes down to relationship and so the reality of the Kajinas um, doesn't matter. It isn't then about if the Kachinas or the spirits or the, the Orishas or whatever are real because their impact is, is, is real, right? Now, myself, I understand spirits as being independent and, and, and real forces in the world. I come from an animist perspective, but I know not all pagans do. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of pagans who come to these traditions through that archetypal lens more. 
but the relationship is still the same. The impact is still the same. So I, uh, that's kind of how then that that really informed then those two chapters, um, and I hope that that comes true. But that that really was kind of what brought me and put me onto this. And then when I started to see how other cultures around the world related to the stories of their spirits, um, it seemed to be in a very similar way. And I tried to privilege as much as I could the the voices of of, of people from those communities. The trouble um, the trouble with a lot of marginalized communities and and like cultures outside of the Western world, particularly trying to operate in English, is that often those cultures are needing to translate really untranslatable forms of understanding into English using loaded words like gods, angels, spirits, and blah, 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 right? right. So then you have, you know, and there's issues. So it's kind of peeling behind that, trying to get a sense of it, um, but bringing it in then into the idea of, of relationships. So... That was actually half the, the major research was really trying to, you know, are you actually saying that in that sense or, are you you know, is there more to this that needs to have more cultural understanding? So really it was trying to gain more of a cultural understanding of some of these examples in as much way that I could uh, being an outsider to those traditions. I think a lot of it kind of, if you you're new to it and you're trying to figure out like, well, what does that mean for me? Like, you know, where do I... I think that whatever it takes, you know, whatever ancestor deity, other kin spirit, whatever you want to call it, um, that, you know, you are having that connection with. Um, I think that a lot of it boils down to, yes, it may not seem quote unquote real to some folks or even uh -huh. folks on the uh -huh. outside, but it's your belief that brings it into reality and the belief that brings it into your reality and allows it to help you grow or be a better human, be a better witch, whatever it may be, um, that allows you to say that this is influencing me in a positive way. Obviously, if it's influencing you in a negative way, you should probably take a second look at that. That's exactly. <laughs> that's not exactly that's... how that's supposed to work. But if that's what's happening, um, you know, take everything with a grain of salt and i i love how in your book you also mention that not all ancestors have to be you know brought into your life because some are not mm. good some have done some terrible so things that you're like i really don't identify with that and then i also like how you're like you know what the ones that were supposed to be so terrible and so bad and I'm not talking about the ones that were like colonizers and horrible human beings. We're not talking about those ones. We're talking about the ones that were maybe put to death because they were the rebels of society. And but because they were basically fighting the system. And it's like, well, if you identify with that, maybe that's somebody that you should kind of talk to and see if they would be a beneficial ancestor to bring into your um, practice. So, absolutely, uh, yeah, absolutely. it was beautifully written the way you put it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I um that's that is another key question, right? How do you work with ancestors who you have problems with, who historically were not great people? This is the trouble with and I think this is this needs to be said. This is the trouble with westerners and ancestor work is that oftentimes how we see history is based upon a narrative of history. And some narratives are very, very close to what actually happened, right? The Holocaust happened. That is not debatable. And the people who were involved in the Holocaust, they had, there's a lot of focus on that. 
But then when you think of, I, I was just having a conversation before with somebody else about this. When you think about, you know, um, like the outliers, the black sheep, right? How connected are you to that story? If you've grown up in a context in a family where you've been told that so-and-so great uncle was a horrible human being and that we don't talk about them, then you're not likely to talk about them. So I think it depends on the individual ancestor. I think it depends on, on your relationship with them too. And I also think it depends on what your goal is. I think that um, a danger with ignoring ancestors is that we don't then fully understand the context that we live in now and those aspects that may have originated with those ancestors. By understanding those ancestors fuller, mm -hmm. We understand that context, but we have to actually acknowledge that they exist. You know, there's a lot of people in the South, for example, and in the United States and Canada too, who don't want to admit that their ancestors were slave owners. Mm -hmm. But what damage is, what damage do we do by ignoring that history? I think there's also another piece here about the idea of, of ancestral healing. And Daniel Four, Dr. Daniel Four, talks a lot about this in his book about ancestral healing, which is fantastic. Um, and he talks about the the idea of healing by putting things into context, healing by taking the weight off of those ancestors, um, but also healing by again putting up those strong boundaries. It depends on the ancestor, right? If you have an ancestor who is irreconcilable then putting appropriate boundaries around that individual. If you have an ancestor who was irreconcilable when they were alive, checking in to see where they're at now. Because just as we, are, I mean, I'm certainly not, a, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not a, um, uh, an angel, right? I've done some terrible things in my life as well. I think all of us have. In the context of that time of our lives, we need to have the capacity to be able to grow. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, with ancestral work, part of the responsibility is conferring that idea that even in death, um, ancestors are able to grow. Dangerous ones are the ones that don't grow. And that's where I think people need to become aware and, 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 and conscious of that. The ones that never moved past where they were in their life, that continue to view the, the world in a static form, um, are the dangerous ones. In many traditions, many societies, um, ghosts that become monstrous and, and, and individuals who become transformed into monsters um, are often the ones that can't move past the, the, the pain, the hurt, mm -hmm. or the ego that they were stuck in. And then they become unhuman and they become a danger to society. At that point, then the ancestral work is going to the collective and allowing the collective to deal with those individuals, right? So it's a huge amount of thing, but um, I, I, I think that it, it, again, it depends on individual relationships. Sometimes, you know, as, as and, and don't misquote me on this, but sometimes individuals who held slaves 300 years ago were not bad people, but they were engaging in a cultural institution that was inherently bad, right? Mm -hmm. We need to then understand that we don't condone their engaging with that cultural institution, but the responsibility piece is then to make sure that that cultural institution of slavery does not show up in our world now. 
we also root out all of the evils of that of that institution as they show up now, such as understanding that the modern um, the the modern um, industrial complex around um, imprisonment is a modern form of that same mindset, right? Yes. So, um, yeah. you know, so. I think I want to double check just to make sure that I'm understanding. Um, and I think what you're trying to say here is that a, a part of um, the ancestral work, especially with those problematic, you know, ancestors um, and part of their healing is almost holding them to accountability for yes, their exactly. actions and making sure that they understand, hey, this was not a wise decision or a good behavior you shouldn't have done this <laughs> this is not acceptable in human evolution mm -hmm. we don't do this anymore um so mm -hmm. that that's basically kind of what you're saying just to confirm with my own brain very sure much so correct. yes okay <laughs> you 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 hold them to accountability but you also part of that accountability is understanding what part you're holding on to now so you're you've grown up you've you exist in a in a cultural context existing now that is linked to all of the other cultural contexts that go past that go into the past and so understanding how the context that those particular ancestors were part of and perpetuated understanding what parts of those still exist for your cultural context now and changing them so then it's not just a i'm going to scapegoat you as a bad person and 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 just you know wipe my hands clean because you were the bad one you're the bad you know slaveholder in that case right mm -hmm. understanding that you're descended from that person and and making them positive as 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 positive as you can intentional um, changes to the legacy going forward but that being said in 200 years time you know your ancestors may look back on uh, our descendants i should say may look back on our time now as being deeply flawed, flawed. we're all horrible people it depends on that narrative right, right. so it, there's a lot of moving parts here there's a lot of moving parts here um but uh, but I, I guess to summarize it i would say it's it's about that relationship and a very key piece here is that you don't have to have a relationship with anybody. You don't no, have to. No, you don't. You, you can don't. say, no, I'm not, I'm not part of that. Yep. Exactly. And right. I think also part of, um, you know, for me when it comes to ancestral work is also understanding the history behind yes. everything and the behaviors mm -hmm. and all of that. And, you know, obviously you talk about this in your book as well, that understanding the history of where we come from is just as important as understanding where we are now. And totally. I think that, you know, especially here in America, we're, we're trying very well, I'm not trying, but there are individuals in my country who are very much trying to say that part of history doesn't exist. We don't talk about that part of history. And I think that there's a, so. a very bad narrative that comes with that. And because that's kind of just squashing like a whole generation, a whole group of people under the rug and saying, you didn't matter. You don't exist because of x y and z and a lot of times yes. this happens unfortunately with people of color and we don't that's not good for them and it's not good for us to not know everybody's history and know where everybody came from and understand it you don't have to know every detail but understanding is such a huge part of i would say paganism as a whole not just Hopefully. ancestral mm -hmm. work 
I would say, uh, yes, spirituality as a whole is about understanding, and it, it's a, it's about relationship too. You know, we can understand something while not having a relationship with it, but I think that true understanding comes from relationship. When we, when we when we see ourselves in relationship with with other that other becomes friend that other becomes family that other becomes community right and as soon as that happens it's no longer an us versus them it's a we right mm -hmm. and it becomes very difficult to marginalize when you see other as we and not you right yeah it, it it's so much better to be the we than the us versus them kind of thing. Um, exactly. Exactly the best way. So we are just about out of time, but um, what, first of all, a couple of questions. Yes. Do you have a second book planned? And if so, Do. can you tease about it? If not, that's totally cool. Like we, we understand the secrets of book writing that happens. Of course, yes. Um, and question uh, well, two is um, obviously, do you have any book signings planned? So um, first question, yes, I do. I am working on it right now. Um, it's an expansion of what I've already started with the ancestral work. Oh, nice. um, I'm looking now. So so in, in Lukumi, we have a saying, um, you know, ancestors beneath us, spirits around us, and God above us. And so I'm kind of planning a, uh, I, I can't talk too much about it, but I am planning a book in similar style, but focused on kind of spirit work and working with landscape and working with kind of the, the other figures around us. Um, so that one, uh, I'm still plugging away with it. I don't have many details for that. The second one is uh, for book signings. So I, I unfortunately don't have access to moving uh, to um, coming down to the states very much. Um, but what I'm <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I come from a country that fits within California. Like that's how massive the the states are, right? So, but um, but if anybody's listening to this up in Ontario, Canada, um, I'm going to be having a my official book launch um, on. August, uh, September 30th at Woodsworth Books in Kitchener in Waterloo, Ontario. Um, and I also will be having a release on September 8th on my Facebook page, on my socials. Um, so people are welcome to come and, and hang out there with me. Um, for book signings, um, what I'm planning on doing, I just have to figure out how other authors have done it and I don't know how yet but i i if if people are interested in a book plate which is the um the the sticker that people can put into the front cover um i'm gonna try and get those available through my website or through llewellyn and uh, and sign those um so then people will have signed something that they can put into the book so i just have to figure out how to do that <laughs> that'll be super cool uh now where can you said obviously you have a facebook page where else on social media can people connect with you of course. So um, benstimson.com is my main website that has all my social links on it. Um, and do please go and like some of my social links if you enjoyed listening to this. It really does give a good confidence boost for authors when you <laughs> do that. It really does, doesn't it? I, I know you know this with Instagram. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I'm also on uh, Goodreads. Um, I do a podcast myself as well. So that's on YouTube. I have a lot of content on YouTube as well. And uh, most of them are um, at Ben Stimson offer. So most of those are, are the same, uh, but you can just go to my website and find all of those. Perfect. 
and all those links including the book link and uh social links and everything will all be listed in the show description ben this was wonderful it was such a great conversation and we will have to do it again very very soon even if it's just talking more about ancestral work and uh i would also love to talk to you about death work and see your thoughts on that as well so of course we might have to come back Mm -hmm. and do that that'll be a good time but everybody who's been listening thank you so much for joining us take care of yourselves be kind to each other and stay safe. We'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye, everyone.